Well, hello, everyone. Uh, my name's Bryce, for those who don't know me. Um, I'm a, a second-year student at uh, Bible College, and I've the pleasure of uh, opening the Word with you uh, this evening. So before we begin, uh, how about I pray, and then we'll get into God's Word. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the privilege of gathering here today, that we can uh, open your word and hear it uh, preached uh, in peace. Uh, Lord, uh, lots of us are going through different things right now, and some of us maybe aren't so uh, able to focus because we're worried about different issues. We pray, Lord, that we'd be able to, uh, to put those things aside, that you would calm our hearts so that our our minds would be able to focus on what we hear now from your word. And we pray, Lord, that these things would encourage us and edify us uh, and help us to live as your people this week. Be with us now through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Why do we like people to see our giving? A couple of weeks back, I was telling my housemate why he had to buy an Aldi puffer jacket for $50. 50 bucks to keep the Melbourne chill at bay, money well spent. Now, I don't regret telling him that advice, but I do regret telling him why, at the time, I didn't have a jacket anymore. See, the thing is, I told him the story of how I gave my jacket away to a homeless girl in San Francisco. Now, you might want to think about it. Why did I do that? Why did I feel the need to share that story? And part of the reason why I shared it, really, if I'm honest, is because, well, it kind of made me look good. It made me feel or sound selfless. It's pretty pathetic, isn't it? But how often do we feel tempted to do it, to, 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 uh, to, to do this? Think about it. Why do we leave sponsored child letters on our fridges? Or why do we let our names receive airtime during the Good Friday appeal, the bottom of the TV screen? Why do we insist on shouting coffees for people in front of others? Or why do we get a kick kick out of putting coins in rattle tins at busy intersections for all to see? So the thing is, if we're brutally honest, there's just a little bit of us, I think, sometimes, that enjoys the praise we get from giving to others. Why do we feel the need for others to know that we're generous? Why can't we just be content with giving in private? And what we're going to see in Matthew 6 tonight is this. In our heart of hearts, we're sometimes more convinced that the praise of man is better than the praise of God. Now, remember right now you're thinking, far out, what a Debbie Downer. Come on, Bryce, give us something good today. Well, here's the positive way to look at the whole thing, okay? Jesus wants more for us. Jesus wants more for us. This is his call for us today from the passage. Don't give for man, give for God. Don't give for man, give for God. That's the main point. And Jesus gives it to us in three stages in our passage. Right? First stage, number one. We need to be givers. Verse 2a. Second stage, don't give for man. Verse 2b. And three, give for God. Give for God, verses 3 and 4. If you want to follow it with me, it's in your uh, outline. Jesus' challenge, right? It comes right in the middle of the most famous sermon in history, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus explained his point earlier. We need to be perfect. And if we want to be perfect, if we want to uh, enter the kingdom of heaven, our moral behavior 
Well, that needs to exceed that of the Pharisees, of the Jewish leaders. Right? And of course, this is impossible to achieve without Christ. We can only rely on what Christ did as a way forward. And in chapter 5, Jesus keeps saying, you've heard that it was said, but I tell you. In other words, he's saying, uh, this is what the letter of the law says, but I say, no, if you want to follow me, you go further. Right? In every moral issue, Jesus raises the bar. And now we get to verse 1, chapter 6. And verse 1 is kind of like the, the general application, if you like. Right? He's getting his disciples to consider their own righteousness. And this is what he's basically saying in verse 1. Chase the greater reward. Chase the greater reward. You see, there's three things, there's three classic things that all good Jews did. Almsgiving, which means giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. To see a person doing these things, well, that was a giveaway that someone was a practicing Jew, you see. And the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, well, they gave and they prayed and they fasted with zeal, with absolute zeal. But Jesus knew their hearts. You see, they didn't do these things because they actually cared for the poor. They didn't really do it because they loved God. No, they did it because they actually worshipped a different God, the God of human approval, the God of human honour. That's why they gave. And that's why Jesus starts this whole section with be careful. Look at it in verse 1. Be careful. Right? Be careful because he assumes that those listening have deceptive hearts. He assumes they'll obey, but for all the wrong reasons. And sadly, this issue, well, this issue didn't die with those leaders way back then. No, this issue is here. It's in this city. It's in this church. It's in me and it's in all of us. And I just shared a few ways earlier in which we see this sin uh, uh, in action. So how do we reverse the problem? Let's explore the first part of Jesus' application to us in the passage. So this is the first point. We actually need to be givers. Check out the first bit of verse 2 again. It says this, So when you give to the needy. So when you give. You see, Jesus assumes that uh, his followers give. Like To give isn't an optional extra in the Christian life. It's not a bolt-on that you can kind of go, oh yeah, I'll pick that one, but I, or maybe I won't. Yeah? It's, if you're a follower of Jesus, then giving to the poor is just meant to be part and parcel. It's meant to be normal. But I bet maybe a lot of you are like me. You might have taken giving in this passage to mean something else, to mean giving to the church. Let me tell you why that's not the case here. In the Old Testament, we see that giving to the poor was actually separate to giving to the temple. Right? In Deuteronomy 15.11, it says, The poor will always exist. So, therefore, the Jews were instructed to be open-handed to their fellow Jews. So, if there was a fellow Jew in need, well, the right thing to do was to care for them, to meet their physical needs. I want to drill down on this. And I want to drill down on it because I reckon, I believe, that us prezies, us evangelicals, I think we, we struggle to put this in practice. Right? Can I share how I struggle with it first? So apart from spontaneous giving, like that jacket back in America, I don't really give to the poor and the needy. And when I prepared this sermon, I have to admit I was challenged. Right? Because for a little while now, I've been thinking of what I might do with my new income that I've received, and I'm ashamed to say that giving to the poor wasn't on my priority list. It didn't even cross my mind until recently. And you know what I have been thinking about? I have been thinking about getting a new laptop for school. 
I've been thinking about maybe saving for a house again one day. And maybe you're thinking, well, they're okay, they're good things. And I'd say there's nothing wrong with it in one sense and everything wrong with it in another. Nothing wrong with it because in one sense, those things are just good gifts. They can glorify God. But everything is wrong because actually I've only considered myself and I've considered maybe my potential future family, but I haven't really given thought to those who are in need, have I? And so I had to ask myself, why aren't I having ideas and dreams and things that would, uh, how can, uh, you know, uh, hopes about how I can provide for the poor in my city? And I think it's ultimately a matter of this. It's a matter of the heart. See, if I'm brutally honest, the truth is that my heart, well, it's grown cold towards the poor. Like whenever I'm in the city, I can walk through three or four or five streets and on most of them, there are people on the, on the ground begging. Right? And what do I do? I look the other way and I keep walking. There's an old saying, where there's a will, there's a way. And if I want to be consistent with who I am and I'm a follower of Jesus, I actually need to be more I need to care more about those who are poor in my city. Right? I wonder how many of you can relate with me right now. You might, you might be a good prezi, a good evangelical. You might value truth. You might value preaching. You might value evangelism. But maybe like me, giving to the poor is not really on the priority list as it ought to be. To put it differently, I think we're pretty good at caring for the spiritual needs of each other and the spiritual needs of the people out there but maybe not as good at caring for their physical needs. I've heard someone say, well, that's what the Salvos are for. That's what the Uniting Church is for. They're awesome at doing that, so let them do it. What would Jesus say to that? I think Jesus would point us to his 25th chapter in this gospel, Matthew 25, and let us see uh, the kick in the pants that he gave to his followers for failing to take care of his people. Jesus assumes we're givers, right? And it's important for us to do some soul-searching tonight. What actually is our heart attitude towards the poor? Do you know, I did a bit of research around for this area, and I found that according to the Safer Disadvantage Index, the suburbs of Reservoir and Oak Hill and Maryland and Cheddar, Preston East, do you know they rate as the most socially disadvantaged suburbs in this entire state? And we're in the middle of it all. Um, 10 k's that way in the city centre, you can find 250 people or more that are homeless every single night. Like we're surrounded by poor. So what can we do? Let me say that giving isn't just about giving money to people. Uh, we have resources and we have time. Right? Let me give an let me give a story of a church that I think has runs on the board in this. Right? Went home recently to my hometown of Morwell. It's a welfare town. Okay? And there's a church called Moral Community Church. They're running a soup kitchen. They're getting 50 people who don't know Jesus coming on Fridays, and they're loving them, and they're serving them. They do this cool thing, this Christmas hamper thing now, and every Christmas they make these hampers full of things that people maybe don't have the, the money to buy. They pick some of the poorest streets around the church, and they just door knock, maybe in pairs, maybe on their own, and they just say, hey, we're from Moral Community Church. Uh, we just want to bless you this Christmas. Here's a gift from us to you and they get to know them, and they love them. Like, how good is that? Such a simple thing that can brighten someone's day, maybe even make their Christmas special. Like, what would it take for us as a church to do that? There's 100 people in this church. If 100 people went over to the streets around Thornbury or Preston or Reservoir and just did that, what difference would it make? 
maybe we'd actually get to know our community, wouldn't we? And that's something that I'd love for our church, to actually be known by the people around us. We know, we're known by some, but I think a lot, of us, a lot of people don't even know we meet here. They just see a few cars show up on Sunday. Maybe that's something we could do as a church. But what about as individuals, though? If you want to give money to something worthy, consider a thing called Channels of Hope. Most of you would have heard about it, I think it was last, last Sunday. Tom spoke about, um, he actually works for World Vision, and this is a ministry that they have to people in the Pacific Islands. And what it is, is this. People have broken relationships on those islands, right? And it comes because there's a misunderstanding of gender and there's a misunderstanding of AIDS. And so women and people who have AIDS are mistreated. They're not loved, they're not cared for, they're not respected. And this whole ministry is about actually educating pastors and elders so that they actually help to rectify and clarify this issue. So if that's something that captures your heart, if that's something you care about, go and see Tom. Maybe that's the way you can give. Um, if you want to give time and resources in a different way, maybe you can consider the church bank. Right? So our church has this thing, right, where if someone's struggling, if they're pregnant, if they're um, whatever, they're going through a situation where they, they can't really look after themselves or, or the, the people they love. Right? A bunch of people cook meals for them. Yeah? So if you, if you uh, like to cook and if you want to help in this way, maybe even give food to that cause, uh, speak to Aaron, speak to Aaron's wife, Gabby. That's a good thing to do. That's a good way to get, to get involved in give. But maybe you care about the homeless in the city and you, you, you're appalled by how many people are doing it rough there, doing it tough. I want to tell you about a thing called um, Salt and Light. There's a guy in my church called Paul Jang, right? He's from Korea. He's not even an Australian guy. Okay? And he, 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 just, he saw what's happening in our city and it really gripped him. He started this ministry uh, that, that basically aims to care for people in the city. Right? They, they, they make a meal for them. They sit down with them. They get to know the people. They even celebrate birthdays. They find out when the people's birthdays are and they get a birthday cake and they sing happy birthday together just so that the people feel like humans again. It's awesome. right? And they have a thing called Street Chapel. And so people are welcomed if they want to come afterwards and they hear from God as well. Uh, if that's something you, you would love to get involved in, I'm hoping to start getting involved in this. Come and see me. Come and talk to me about it. Don't give for man. Give for God. That's the nail that Jesus is hammering this evening. right? And we've dealt with the giving bit, the part that's in action. But here comes the harder part, the motivation. Okay, Jesus is saying that, there are, that the giving to the poor is motivated by rewards. We're motivated by rewards. And there's two. There's the, there's the, uh, the, um, the temporary and the earthly. And there's the eternal and the heavenly. And Jesus warns us about chasing the former. This is the second bit of his application. Don't give for man. Look at it in verse 2b. Do not renounce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. See, Jesus assumes we're givers, but he also assumes we're boasters. This is the command. It says, do not announce it with trumpets. When Jesus mentions trumpets, this could be metaphorical. What he could be saying is, you know, when you do a good deed, don't make a song and dance about it so the whole world knows. You know, just keep it to yourself. But it could be actually um, literal. And if it is, um, this is what it's kind of saying. Uh, back in the day in ancient Jerusalem, when someone had an, a crisis, a house fire, or maybe they'd been robbed, whatever the issue was, a horn would sound in the city centre, right? And people would have the opportunity to give, to care for that person in need, fellow Jew, right? Now, you can imagine that there would be people who would be genuinely motivated to care for the people. They're in need. I've got abundance. I'll give. Good. But for others, 
there was an opportunity, wasn't there, to, say, to, to show how good they were as a person and to get the praise of man. And can you see in the passage what Jesus calls those people? He calls them hypocrites. You see, in ancient Greek, the word hypocrite meant actor. It's, it's someone who's being fake. Right? It's someone who's just putting it on, but their hearts aren't aligning with what they're doing. Okay? Their goal is to massage their own ego. They give to the poor to get the praise of man. Right? Look at what Jesus says about such people. Truly, I tell you, they've already received their reward in full. Isn't that sad? Like That's as good as, as life gets for them. Praise of man. Something that's fleeting. Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. Check out the reason why he says we do this. The result of making our song and dance is human honour. That's the answer to our problem. We want to tell the world about our generosity because we crave human honour. We want people to say, you know, you're a top bloke. You're a really inspirational woman, right? We love it because it massages the ego. It feels good. Like, it feels good to be told that you're doing the right thing, that, you've, that you're a great person. And the charities, well, they play on this. Think about the last time you went to the Red Cross, sorry, the last time you went to Northland or the city, right? And you see a stand, Red Cross, Paralympics group, whatever they are, they're usually French or a Canadian or something like that, nice accent, <laughs> right? And they come up to you, oh, you, have a, uh, you look very nice today. Come and they sweet talk you, a bit of small talk, you feel sort of, you know, welcome. And then they give you your spiel, right? A dollar a day will help achieve this, achieve that. And you kind of feel like, you know, I should do this. And before you know it, you're signing the dotted line. And what do they do? They thank you for what you've signed for. And they kind of affirm you, you know, because of what you've signed up for, this is what it means. And basically, you're a great person. And we like that, don't we? They're playing on it. Seeking the praise of man is a bit like Macca's. <clears throat> it smells good, it looks good, it tastes good, right? But the consequences are terrible. You get, your body just gets slugged with sugar and fat and salt. About 15 minutes later, you're full of gas and you're full of regret. And McDonald's lied. You're not loving it. You're hating it. <laughs> See, of course, if it was KFC, though, you wouldn't have this problem. But the praise, the praise of man is very similar, isn't it? All right? It's attractive, okay? But it's terrible for us. And Jesus is saying it's a terrible motive for giving to the poor. And the contrast is the praise of God. Like the praise of God is kind of like the food pyramid. Remember the food pyramid at school? All the all the good stuff is on the bottom that we don't like to eat, and all the bad stuff that we do like to eat is in the top. And the idea is that <clears throat> this is kind of the way of life for Christ, for a Christian. It's the way that brings God the most glory and us the most joy. But all of this reveals a much deeper need, I think. You see, we don't really just want human honour when you think about it. We actually want something much different. We want happiness. That's what we want. Because when we get human honour, we get happiness, or at least we think we do. Right? And Jesus isn't stupid. He created us. He's wired us this way. Right? And he says, <clears throat> he's saying to us, you can't find what you're looking for in human honour. You just can't. If you want to find happiness, you have to look elsewhere. Um, there's something that might surprise some of us here. You see, Jesus is not a killjoy. He does want us to be happy. Right? And he's making it clear. You won't find it when you give for man. We actually need to give for God. Because when we give for God, uh, that glorifies God. 
And that is the thing that will give us lasting joy. And this leads to the final part of Jesus' message to us this morning, uh, this evening. Give for God. Give for God. Check out verses 3 and 4 with me again. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, reward you. It's a bit of a strange concept, isn't it? Like, don't let your left hand see your right hand. Like, as if they've got eyes and they can actually see each other, right? Clearly, that's not the point. Here's the thing. We need to be so secret, so stealth-like in our giving, that even we kind of forget that we've done a good deed. Yeah? You with me? It's sort of like, we need to forget that we give away jackets in San Francisco. We need to forget that we've mowed neighbours' lawns, that we've shattered people's coffee. Why? Because when we do this, when we do this, our motive for giving pleases God. And why does it please God? It pleases God because it's no longer about human honour and praise. It's about God's honour and praise. A lecturer at my college called Alan Harmon, he's really good at this. The guy's a writing machine. He pumps out commentaries all the time. He's 80-something years old. He's still writing commentaries, right? The other day, he told me he was working on a passage, and he thought he looked at an article, and he thought, that's a really good point. Who wrote that? So he looked at the, the article, and lo and behold, he said, oh, I wrote it. <laughs> um, now, maybe we could say, all right, he's 80-something years old. Maybe his mind's going, whatever. <laughs> but, but I actually like to think, I really do, that Alan forgot in part, because he makes a point of actually not remembering his good works. Yeah? And I really think that's something that we could learn from, to make it our aim to forget when we give to others. My preaching lecturer, he taught me a really helpful truth. Right? In every passage of Scripture, there's three applications. There's always three. There's the necessary, there's the impossible, and there's the possible. Right? So what's the necessary? The necessary is what you, you must believe, what you must do in light of the big idea of the passage. The impossible is the opposite. It's You can't possibly not believe something or not do something in light of the big idea. Yeah. But then there's the possible, and this is the hard one. This is the one that preachers always, well not always, but can stuff up. <laughs> and this is how it might apply in very specific and nuanced situations in life. Right? And when this gets mixed up, it can lead to legalism. Okay. So what is, the, what is the necessary application for us this evening? It's pretty straightforward, I think, isn't it? Right, make sure you give. Give to the poor. But also, give in secret. Give, give for God and not for man. Right? Necessary application. What's the impossible? Impossible is the opposite, isn't it? Like, we can't leave here today and say, you know what, I'm not going to give to the poor. Or worse, oh, sorry, or, or even if we do decide in our, in our minds, it's okay for me to announce it to others. Like, that's cool. Right? That's the obvious impossible application. But here comes the possible one. How might this big idea, that is, uh, give for God, not for man, how might that apply to our lives? Let me give you a few suggestions of how it might apply. The first one I want to flag is sponsor children. Some of us sponsor children, right, with world vision or compassion or whoever. Let me ask you this. If you do, um, do you keep all the pictures and the nice um, drawings they send you on the fridge or on a notice board for all to see? And if you do, why do you do it? Do you do it because it's just a practical way to remember that we had to pray, the family's going to pray for that, that child or children? right? Or, or is there a, a, just another less noble reason? Is there just a little bit of you who secretly hopes that when your relatives or your friends come around that they'll notice 
gee, that's really great that they're, they're doing that. All right? Let me be clear. It's totally okay to put photos on fridges. No one's saying it's not. Yeah, It's a good thing. You can remember, you pray for them. But, but what Jesus is asking us to do right now is a heart check. Are you putting the pictures up to get the praise of man? That's what he's wanting us to fight against, you see. I don't know your motives, and only you guys do. That's why it's a wisdom question. You're here to think about it. What are my, what are my reasons for why I do what I do? Here's another one. Maybe some of you guys enjoy giving to things like um, the Good Friday Appeal or a Light FM um, drive or something like that. Do you notice when particularly the Good Friday Appeal happens, like they have the, the names of the people donating on the bottom of the screen, like, you know, Bryce $10, you know, Matt $100, Chris $400, whatever. And, and uh, you think, oh, gee, they're a good person. Like, gee, they're, they're really generous. All right? And it kind of motivates you to give as well. All right? Now, on one level, you might think, yeah, that's harmless. But actually, this is the problem, isn't it? Like, it's announcing to the world that this person has done a good deed. Okay? And that's what Jesus wants us to fight. So, so the issue is not giving uh, to the appeal. Keep giving to the appeal if you do. It's an awesome thing. I, I reckon it's good. But, but just check the heart and check why you give in the first instance. Does that make sense? What about shouting people at cafes and, and, and clubs and so on? Um, we all share each other once in a while, unless, of course, we're, we're Dutch or Scottish. But how, how often, but how often do we insist, like really, how often do we insist on paying for others? Right? You get to the counter and you're like, no, 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 it's all good, I've got it, I'm good. All right? and, and, and you're in front of a whole group of people. Do we do it because we just want to you know, bless someone because we know that they're kind of broke or whatever, or where we're really blessed with money? Or are we kind of doing it because we kind of like the attention? All right? the, the people in front, well, they're noticing. The people behind us, they're hearing about it. Yeah? Maybe, maybe giving for God in that instance is just actually settling at the table. You're sitting down. Before you get up to pay, you tell your friend, look, can I just cover you? And you do it in private. There's no discussion in front of a whole group of people. Or even better, maybe, you, you, you give the money to them so that they can pay for themselves, so that the people around don't even know that you were generous in that instance. I want to make it really clear, friends. The point here is not to stop, right? It's not to stop sponsoring children. It's not to stop uh, giving to the Good Friday appeal or another appeal. It's not to stop shouting people. Right? They're good things. The point is to check our hearts, to check our motivation, are we doing it to impress people? Are we doing it for praise? Are we doing it actually for God? That's the point. Listen to the words of your Lord. Do your giving in secret. Be motivated both by compassion for the poor and the desire to please God. One day you will gain the heavenly reward if you're a Christian. Right? An experience with God that surpasses anything we experience in this life. Of course, you'll probably all fail in trying to live this out. In fact, we all probably will and do. But the point is, it's, it's Christ who's perfect, isn't it? Not us. Right? Christ is the one you know, always had compassion for the poor, but he always cared for the poor and he wanted his Father's approval, not ours. But even though, even though Christ was perfect in his giving, even though Christ was perfect in his motivation, pure, he ended up on a cross. And he died on a cross for people like you and me, who fail and will fail to live, sorry, to give for God and not give for man. Right? And he died so that our heavenly reward would be secure, that we would gain the eternal approval of the Father. 
If you understand how much Christ loves you, if you find your security in your heavenly reward, in the approval of your Father in heaven, then you'll be free. You'll be free. You'll be free to live, sorry, you'll be free from human approval and you'll be free to live for Christ's approval in every part of your life and in particular in your giving to the poor. So you guys go out this week and you give to the, you give to the poor and you do it being motivated by grace. Let's pray. God, uh, your son has given us hard words this, this afternoon to do what is really hard and really counterintuitive, to give for you and not for man. God, help us to live it out this week, we pray. Give us hearts for the poor. Help us to actually make room for them in our hearts and to be generous with our time, our money, and our resources. But Lord, thank you that even when we fail at doing this, we are safe in your arms because of what Christ did on the cross. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.